welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back to another episode of the Pack House Podcast. And we got a lot to talk about today. We are going to be talking about some notable trades that happened in the NHL over the past couple weeks. Major trade involving Dallas and Calgary. Look out for that. I'm going to be talking about that trade. We're going to also be talking about a couple of young guys who have gotten called up to the NHL for their NHL clubs over the past couple weeks, both making big impacts in very different ways. We're going to talk about that. We are also going to talk about Miracle on Ice and Sidney Crosby's Golden Goal as they both celebrated their anniversaries over the past two weeks. We're going to be talking about both of those iconic international hockey moments. We're going to talk about all this and more on this episode of the Puck House Podcast. All right, now we're going to move into the roundup. And this week we got uh, quite a bit to talk about. A couple trades that we got to talk about. Uh, first off, big trade took place on Wednesday night. Uh, the Dallas Stars have gone ahead and acquired Chris Tanev from the Calgary Flames in a big three-team trade. The Dallas Stars acquired Chris Tanev and Cole Brady, unsigned goaltender Cole Brady. Uh, the Calgary Flames received Artem Grushnikov, a 2024 second-round pick, and a 2026 third-round pick that is conditional on the Stars if they reach the Stanley Cup Finals. And the Devils got a fourth-rounder from the Dallas Stars, a 2026 fourth-round pick from the Dallas Stars, and they retained 50% of Chris Tanev's salary. In addition, the Flames, I believe, they also... Uh, I believe they also retain 25% of Tanev's salary. So the Stars were able to um, get teams to retain 75% of Chris Tanev's salary so for, for the rest of this season. So, um, I mean, great move by Dallas, I think. They need a defenseman. They went out and they got the defenseman they had been searching for. Yeah, he's going to be, I think he's going to be an impact on that blue line. Dallas has got a really good shot at at winning, at making it to the cup finals, I think. At winning the Western Conference, I think, in the, in the playoffs. I think they have a good, a good chance. But, but yeah, so that was a big, and I really feel like they got, a pretty good deal for Tanev. Like they gave up Grushnikov, who's decent, decent defensive prospect, a 2024 second round pick. And unless they make the cup finals, they'll they'll have to throw in a third third round. It, they'll have to throw in a third round pick if they make if they make the cup final. So, but yeah, um what a I think he asked me, pretty good trade, pretty good trade by Dallas, considering Calgary was asking for a first-round pick. Uh, I, I feel like Dallas did. Dallas did a pretty good job there. Um, yeah, they could have paid a lot more, but they protected 
They protected their first round pick, protected their top prospects. Um, yeah, a pretty good trade, I think, for Dallas. Uh, Calgary, I think, has got a decent return. Though. Like, Grushnikov's a good defensive prospect, though. So I don't, I don't necessarily feel like Calgary... Calgary definitely got something out of... And if if this is the case, I'm, I'm guessing it's a rental here. I'm guessing this is just a rental. And then Tanev's going to be on the free agency market come July 1st. But yeah, Chris Tanev traded to the Dallas Stars. And as I am recording, there is a trade coming in. Ilya Labushkin from the Anaheim Ducks is being traded to, to to the Toronto Maple Leafs. I believe former Toronto Maple Leaf, I believe. Um, so let me, I'm going to try to figure this out. I'm just scrolling through Twitter right now, trying to figure out exactly what is, what is going on. This is just coming out as I am recording as we speak here. I'm trying to get the information here right now. Let's see here. Okay. Ilya Labushkin is being traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Leafs send their 2025 third round pick to Anaheim in the Labushkin trade. And the Carolina Hurricanes are involved as well. They're getting a the sixth round pick from Toronto. Um, I guess they're retaining part of they're retaining part of his salary there. Between Anaheim and Carolina, they are re retaining 75% of Ilya Labushkin's salary. So uh, that gives that gives the Leafs cap space if they want to make another move. Uh, yeah, they're acquiring him at a cap hit of 687500 which is less than the league minimum. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's just coming in here. Ilya Labushkin being traded, being traded there to the Toronto Maple Leafs here. But yeah, so that is still, I'm sure probably after I finish recording, the official trade should be up. But I'm just, that was just coming in as I'm, as I'm recording here. But yeah, Ilya Labushkin is being traded to uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, going back to Toronto, I believe. Uh, we got also a couple, I want to talk about a couple debuts uh, over the past couple weeks here. I want to talk, first I want to talk about Matt Rempe. Matt Rempe, I, I love how the two guys we're going to be talking about here, two totally very different guys making very different impacts but i'm going to talk about matt rempe first he made his debut almost two weeks ago i believe matt rempe and i remember he played for the seattle thunderbirds big guy six foot eight just a giant and he has been causing quite the stir in the nhl over the past two weeks he has gotten into multiple fights he has, he laid a huge hit, got like a match penalty in like his second game. His first game, he didn't even, he didn't even play a single second of like, 
before his first shift even started, he dropped the gloves. So, yeah, and he's gotten into several fights. He also got like a he got like a pretty bad like black eye too. I was seeing on social media, like yikes. But yeah, he's caused quite the stir uh, around the NHL over the past two weeks for his his physical style. He's like dropping the gloves every game. There's all these guys wanting to fight him now. Um, like he's basically getting into a fight every game. And I'll say this. I don't, cause I remember Matt Rempe when he played for the Thunderbirds. I, he was a physical player. He was definitely a physical player, but this is a different Matt Rempe than I kind of, kind of saw. Like he didn't, he didn't, he got into fights, but not to this level. And I think it's just, you know. You don't really, I, I don't think there's many guys who can really fight or take on a six foot eight guy. Cause he was six foot eight and junior. Like I just remember watching, I, I didn't even really, I didn't even really remember his name. It was when they were like, oh, this guy, big guys. He used to play for Seattle. It's like, oh, that's the guy. I just remember him as like the the big guy on Seattle. Like I, I didn't even really remember his name, but yeah, Matt Rempe causing quite the stir. Um, yeah, he's he's certainly making a an impact, a physical physical impact with his physical presence. Now we're gonna talk about another guy too, who's making a pretty big impact, but in a totally different way this is a guy i have been waiting for to be called up to the nhl his time has come yes logan stankoven has been called up to the nhl within the last two weeks got called up last saturday uh, has played four nhl games so far and in those four games he's got three goals one assist for four points he scored his first NHL goal actually on his 21st birthday. How cool How cool is that? On his 21st birthday, scores his first NHL goal. Scored on, uh, I believe he scored to the following night against Colorado. And he scored last night in the game against uh, the Winnipeg Jets in which they won 4-1. to one. But yeah, like holy cow. Like he, I was watching his games. He honestly looks like the best player um, for the Stars. Last few games, just like especially him and Johnston, like they've been really. Last few games I was watching, they seem to be providing the bulk of the 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 offense. I I would say. I mean, last game, last game, the other guys started chipping in. It felt like, but like the, but it was the. Yeah, especially in particular the game against the Islanders, uh, the Colorado, and even the Carolina game. It seemed like it was basically Stankoven and Johnston who were doing most of the. Which it, it's nice to see the the future. You know, you got Stankoven's twenty one, Johnston is twenty, uh, both making huge, huge impacts there. But yeah. Um, yeah, this is a guy I've been, been certainly waiting uh, to see 
called up Kamloops kid. So that is awesome to see. Known him for known him for a while, and you know it's great to see him finally get that get that chance in the NHL. Got to watch him to play for for the Kamloops Blazers for years, and to see him go have the success that he has ha- had in juniors, seeing what he's gone down and, and did in the AHL and now NHL. And you know what? I mean, like, I've seen a lot of people talking about how, oh my gosh, my team, like, passed on him. He dropped all the way down to the mid-second round. Like, how do you, like, how do you pass on a guy, a guy like that? Everyone was overlooking him because of his size, but... Like, when are we going to get, like, size doesn't, like, it used to be a much bigger thing, I would say. But when are we, like, look at some of the guys who are on the the smaller end that are, you know, excelling in the NHL. Guys like Cole Caulfield come to mind right away, even like Braden Point. Guys like that. Connor Garland, guys like that on the smaller end, but they're making making a big impact for sure with their with their teams. But yeah, I was certainly I'm I'm not surprised he's doing what he's doing. And you ask me, because the only reason he got called up was because Tyler Sagan has gone down with an injury. Uh lower body injury, I believe, week to week. Stankoven deserves to be on that team. On that team. No doubt about it. He has been their best player last few games. They need to, the stars need to do going into the deadline. They need to do whatever they can to try to make try to fit Logan into that lineup. Whether it's shipping out a forward, doing something like that. I could see I could see him trying to and maybe I don't know, try to get get up for a guy, Maverick Bork is down there too. AHL, he has been playing really well. Him and Stankoven have a lot of good chemistry. I'd like to see at some point him get, but it's to I kind of I kind of feel bad for him, but I hope I hope he gets his shot because he has been playing really well too down in the AHL. But yeah, a couple guys, two guys, very different very different ways that they're making an impact. One's six eight, one's five eight, but both making big impacts in their in their own ways, in their with their special skills that they have on the ice. All right, so since our last episode two weeks ago, there have been two really notable international hockey moments pretty pretty historic international hockey moments that um have celebrated their anniversaries this past these past two weeks here uh we got the miracle on ice the miracle on ice and Sidney crosby's golden goal both celebrated the anniversaries of those games over the past two weeks the miracle on ice took place on February 22nd, 1980, going to be 44 years since that. And uh, Sidney Crosby's golden goal in Vancouver uh, celebrated its 14th anniversary. 
So uh, I thought it'd be fun to go through both of these moments and kind of, I guess, kind of compare them, compare, like, and the end, I'm going to give you my take on which one, I guess, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say better because both are incredible, iconic moments. Yeah, I guess iconic. I iconic, I'll say. Yeah, let's use the word iconic. Both are iconic in their own right, though. All right, so first we are going to talk about the Miracle on Ice. The Miracle on Ice. Now, to really understand the magnitude of this game, you got to do you got to do quite a bit of context. All right, at the time peak of the Cold War, it was seen it's U.S. against the Soviet Union. To many Americans, it was seen as more than a hockey game. It was more than a hockey game to a lot of people. It was just at such a time, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter was announcing that the U.S. was going to boycott the 1980 summer, summer Olympics in Moscow. Uh, the Soviets invaded Afghanistan in December of 1979 there. Um, so it was seen, I mean, it was seen as more it was seen as more than just a hockey game there was a lot happening there was a lot lot happening at that time um so yeah the u.s taking on the soviet union and the soviet union they were just dominant in international hockey in that era they won Gold medals, 1964, 1968, 1972, 1976, and looking for their fifth straight going into 1980. And they had proved a couple months earlier, they took on the NHL All-Stars uh, in a game. And they, I think they won like 5-1 or something like that. So they proved that they are the best team in the world, even better than the NHL All-Stars. So yeah, this team was just absolutely dominant and then the u.s and soviet union actually faced off in a pre-tournament game before the olympics at madison square garden in new york city where they got just pommeled 10 to 3 uh so soviet union were just dominant and they were just dominant that whole they were dominant that whole tournament just absolutely just annihilated the all competition going into this game so basically it was like a four team medal round i believed i i believe so yeah i think it was how did it work it was like i think it was the first team like it was like a big table i believe and it was like top four teams make it in and then it was like sort of a little round robin tournament in there like two games in there so I'm not exactly 100% sure how that, but I think it was kind of like that. So this was not like the gold medal game. It wasn't the gold medal game. I always think of it as like the semifinal. That's how I, but it wasn't really like there was, but anyways, so uh, the U.S. on the other hand. Uh, so we talked about Soviet Union and they were just dominant, you know. Just absolutely better than the NHL All-Stars, as it was proved a couple months earlier. The U.S. 
uh, comprised of a bunch of college kids, average age 21 years old. Most of these guys playing college hockey, the University of Minnesota or Boston University. That was mainly what the team was comprised of. Herb Brooks was the coach. Um, he was the head coach of the University of Minnesota. So he got he got a lot of his University of Minnesota players on this team. Um, but yeah, I mean, so just two totally got this team that just been absolutely dominant international hockey took down the nhl all-stars and you got them taken on because remember there's no professionals you're not allowed professionals at this point uh that was until like the late 90s i believe but you're taking on a bunch of college kids and amateurs average age 21 soviet union are expected to just you know blowing them out in the water and you know yeah so going into that yeah so soviet union seemed like they were gonna absolutely dominate most likely and the game of madison square garden i mean backs it up 10 to 3 there so going into this game at the olympic center in lake placid new york where the olympics were held that year in 1980 the game starts and uh, Vladimir Krutov scored the opening goal for the Soviet Union uh, just 10 minutes into the first period. So it seemed like seemed like things are start, starting to go how uh, it's expected to go. Until five minutes later, it's Buzz Schneider with the slap shot. And uh, he's able to beat Vladislav Tretiak, who, by the way, Vladislav Tretiak, just a beast, a beast at that time in the late 70s there um i i can't yeah i don't think he ever played in never played in the nhl but like he was just so dominant big reason why that soviet team was so dominant they got they had so much talent up front and then on in the in the crease there you just got a guy who was unstoppable and by the way, if you have not seen, there is a movie on this on this story, Miracle. Uh, Kurt Russell's in it. Great movie. If you have not seen it, I'm telling you, go after this. Go and watch that movie. It's amazing. But uh, quote by Kurt Russell in that movie puts it puts it best talking about Tretiak. It's like keep if you score on him, keep the puck. It doesn't happen often. So he's just. Yeah, Trediak is just absolutely dominant at that time. But Buzz Schneider is able to get one past him five minutes after the Krutov goal uh, with under six minutes left in the first period. But before the first period is up, Sergei Makarov makes it 2-1 with two minutes, 26 seconds left in the first period. So it seems like now the Soviet Union are going to take a 2-1 lead going into the second period uh, if it wasn't for mark johnson who uh dave christian took a slap shot from like center ice uh, in the final seconds of the period the rebound came right out to mark johnson and mark johnson buried it with one second on the clock in the period uh, the whole team came out uh celebrated the celebrated the goal 
and it was 2-2 after the first period. Entering into the second period, uh, the coach, I'm trying to think what his name was, the Soviet Union coach. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Oh, I don't, I don't remember his name. I don't remember his name. I'm actually going to look this up real quick. Because I, I know it's like, okay, I am going to look it up right now. But they made the coach made a really controversial decision. Made a really, really controversial decision. Okay, this is his name. Victor T Tiganov, I believe that's how you say it. Made a really controversial decision to pull Vladislav Tretiak um, and put Vladimir Mishkin in net the backup goalie who probably like never saw any action because Trediak was just so dominant um but really controversial decision to put to take Trediak out and put Mishkin in at the start of the second period though Alexander Maltsev Maltsev scored to make it 3-2 just two minutes in to the second period and the Soviet Union would hold that lead for the rest of the second period. So they went into the Soviet Union, entered the third period with a 3-2 lead. So, I mean, definitely, I think probably what you're thinking here, so you're probably going to see the Soviet Union in the third period start to, you know, pull away if it. it was a little closer than they probably thought it was going to be, but probably going to see him pull away here in the third period. However, uh, with just over 11 minutes left in the third period, Mark Johnson, Mark Johnson with his second of the game on the power play, ties the game up at 3-3. Three, three. Uh, the crowd, Lake Placid, was going bonkers. They, have t they tied it up at at 3-3 three, three. mid third period who would have thought they get to kind of this point we're so close going into the final minutes of the game but it got even better with 10 minutes remaining in the third period Mike Aruzioni the captain of that US team uh, Mike Aruzioni I believe he played for Boston University if I am not mistaken I believe I believe he played for Boston University there. Scores the goal to make it 4-3, Team USA. The crowd is just going nuts. Uh, the whole team comes off the bench to celebrate the goal. Mike Ruzioni makes it 4-3, Team USA. And Jim Craig was able to, Jim Craig, the U.S. goalie, was able to shut shut down the Soviet Union in the final 10 minutes who were just applying tons of pressure in the final 10 minutes trying to trying to tie the game up there they weren't able to they weren't able to tie tie it up and the US pulled off the most improbable improbable victory over the Soviet Union you really got to give credit actually here to to Jim Craig too he stopped 36 shots 36 to 39 shots in that game shots were 39 16 so it seems like it seemed like 
kind of a combination of, you know, controversial coaching decision there to pull Trejiak. It's all started for poor, poorer performance than he Trejiak would have liked in that first period, which led to him kind of being pulled. But you got to give credit to the U.S. They they stuck together. I mean, the one thing too that was said about this Soviet team back in the day is they did such a good job of of you know wearing other teams out. That's what they did such a good job at. You know, make it making the other teams just so tired uh, later in the game, and they were able to really run up the score near the end of the game. But U.S. had such a Herb Brooks led a really rigorous uh, training leading up to the Olympics, which started like in the summer of '79 and went all the way much longer than the U.S. U.S. like hockey program had ever done. But Herb Brooks really led that, and you can you you'll see that if you go and watch uh, the movie, the movie Miracle, as I mentioned. But, yeah, but they stuck with it, and they played probably – they got two, two huge, two huge goals in the third period. And then they were able to hold on, stay together. They shut the door down the other end. Jim Craig played exceptional that game and just most improbable of victory. And, by the way, if you are wondering, two days later – the U.S. went on to win the gold medal against Finland. They were actually down in the third period. Can you imagine that if they had gone, beaten the Soviet Union like that and lost the gold medal game? But they completed the miracle by winning the gold medal two days later against Finland. But yeah, the, the call by Al Michaels, so iconic in the final seconds, do you believe in miracles? Yes, he proclaimed. Um, but yeah, such an iconic, iconic sports moment. Iconic hockey moment. Um, so yeah, very iconic moment for the U.S. in general. Just Not even just American sports, but America in general. Just because the game had such a significance. It was, it was more than just a hockey game. To so many people. Now we're going to move to another really iconic international hockey moment. We are going to be talking about the golden goal. Sidney Crosby's golden goal in Vancouver. It was the gold medal game in the 2010 Olympics. Which Vancouver hosted that year. And the gold medal game was between Canada and the United States. Big rivalry game here. Canada going into this game, well, this hockey tournament, such, such high expectations. So much pressure to win the gold medal at home. When is this ever going to, the Olympics don't come around in your country very often, especially a country like, a country like Canada. I think they've only hosted it. I think they've hosted the they hosted the summer once i believe 76 montreal i believe it was then calgary they hosted in calgary in 1988 
and then now Vancouver 2010. That was the third time. Third time they've hosted the Olympics. And But there's so, so much pressure for them to win the gold medal in hockey in their home in their home country, especially now. Since the last time Canada hosted the Olympics, professional athletes are allowed. And that was huge. So you had all the, all the superstars of the game at that time playing in this hockey tournament. The NHL took a big uh, Olympic break there in February 2010 for this tournament. But, uh, so yeah, Canada, United States, gold medal game. Uh, at Canada Hockey Place, it was called, because you can't have sponsorships for Olympic stadiums. But it was called Canada Hockey Place, uh, Rogers Arena. But, so the game starts. Jonathan Taves opens up the scoring 13 minutes in to the fir- into the first period, and it's one nothing Canada. Heading into the first intermission, in the second period, Corey Perry... Uh, about 13 minutes left in the second period makes it two nothing Canada. Canada is doing well up to nothing. About five minutes later, though, it's Ryan Kessler who Vancouver Canuck at the time actually. The Vancouver Canuck Ryan Kessler five minutes after the Corey Perry goal gives us some hope and makes it two one entering. The second intermission. Canada is clinging on to this 2-1 lead as time ticks down. Getting down to the final, getting down to the final few minutes of the game. Canada is still holding on. However, in the final minute of the game, with the goalie pulled for US, they're trying, trying so desperately to tie this game up and and force overtime. It's Zach Parise. It is Zach Parise who ties it up with 24 seconds left in the third period to tie the game up at 2-2. And we are going to overtime. Going to overtime, gold medal game in Vancouver. So now next goal wins. If U.S. wins, it's going to be just utter heartbreak for Canada and for Canadians. This was the event that really, like, you know, it could have changed how, if U.S. scores, it could change how the almost, almost the whole, how the whole Olympics is looked at because Canada didn't win in men's ice hockey. That was, and the women's team won a couple days prior, so saw that but so there was there was a lot a lot of lot of pressure on Canada to win it to win the gold medal if U.S. scores it could just you know kind of kill the mood of the Olympics you could say even yeah Canada scores produces an iconic moment and celebrations across the country so much riding on this whoever score so much riding on this overtime period so much pressure on these players especially the canadians considering that it's in 
it's in their home country. It's in Vancouver. When is this ever going to happen again? Seven minutes into the overtime period. Jerome McGinley is battling uh, Puck along, along the boards there for a U.S. player. I'm not sure who, who exactly. Sidney Crosby on the ice yells out, Iggy, Iggy. I'm trying to do like, but he did. I'm not trying. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of how like he was yelling, Iggy, Iggy. And Iggy Aginla was able to dig it free, get it right on Sidney Crosby's stick. And Crosby put it five hole on Ryan Miller. In Canada, a once-in-a-lifetime Olympic gold medal. I believe that was also the that, that gold medal also, I believe, broke the record for most gold medals by a hosting nation, I believe. I don't know if that was, yeah, I think for Winter Olympics, I think that broke the record. I think they'd snatched that from Norway. But, yeah, it was such a, such a successful olympics for canada and all all the sports but that moment was that was such an iconic moment that was is probably the image of the vancouver 2010 games um but yeah Sidney crosby the overtime winner celebrations not just in vancouver but across the entire country celebrated the gold medal uh in in their sport in their sport hockey um but yeah such such an iconic moment for canada hockey fans yes this took place on february 28th 2010 so the anniversary was this wednesday i believe but yeah what a yeah such an iconic iconic moment both of these moments, both this and the Miracle on Ice, so iconic. Now, what do I think as far as which moment I guess is more iconic? Both moments are absolutely iconic. Don't get me wrong. I am going to say, though, probably I'll say the Miracle on Ice. I know, I'm, I'm Canadian. I'm Canadian, but... I, I think the Sidney Crosby golden goal, I'm Canadian, Crosby fan, but I got to say the Miracle on Ice just because to so many, it was more than a hockey game. There was so much happening, like politically, I guess. So that game had so much meaning, you know, and just such a monumental upset considering how dominant the soviets had been in international hockey through the through especially in the 70s there uh like the mid mid to late 70s they were just so so dominant and then to have a bunch of college kids take them down just such an incredible upset and considering all the political things that were happening at the time i will i will say the miracle miracle on ice is probably the more iconic moment, I would say. But the Crosby Golden Goal is is a close second. Like, it's... That moment is also just so iconic. The fact that it was, you know... 
the games are here in our country in Canada. So much pressure, Canada to win, to win gold. Such an icon. Yeah, to have Crosby, who best player in the world at that time, goes out, scores the overtime winning goal. Just such an incredible, incredible, incredible moment. But yeah, I would say though the Miracle on Ice is probably the more iconic moment. If you ha haven't seen the movie Miracle, go and watch it. Such a good, such a good movie. Um, really gives kind of a good biography of that whole, that team and that whole, um, yeah, just their whole journey leading up to that game. Some pretty, pretty interesting moments there. I'm not going to dive too much into it because I want you to go see the go see the movie for yourself and you know yeah but yeah uh, I would say yeah both these moments though Miracle on Ice and Sidney Crosby's Golden Goal two iconic moments both celebrated their anniversaries these past couple weeks all right now we're gonna move into another edition of the 10 and this week we got a lot of changes uh, since we met we talked about it two weeks ago since we last met two weeks ago um, so yeah let's dive right into it uh, just a little spoiler we have a new number one atop the 10 we're gonna get right into it I think this team we have not seen in the top 10 but I thought they should sneak into the top 10 this week at number 10, we have the Nashville Predators. The Nashville Predators, I wanted to throw them in because they have won their last seven games. They're 8-2 in their last 10 games. Uh, I thought they deserved a spot in the 10. So they are going to go in our number 10 spot. At number 9, we have the Toronto Maple Leafs. They are also 8-2 in their last 10 games. They are going to go in our number nine spot. I mean, you got that core. Matthews is just on another planet. He's he's insane. Um, you got Marner and Nylander and those guys. So, yeah, they are going to go in our number nine spot. At number eight, we have the Dallas Stars, who have had a bit of a tough stretch. Probably their first, I would say, tough stretch of the season here they've lost uh quite a few of their last couple games but you know you got things to you got Stankoven is making such an impact in that lineup you could see it right away um Chris Tanev uh, is on the way so yeah Dallas is gonna go in our number eight spot they're gonna slide down but I have a feeling next week they're gonna they're gonna bump up a spot or two. I have a good I have a good feeling. I have a good feeling. At number 7, we have the Colorado Avalanche. Colorado Avalanche 4-5 and 1 in their last 10 games, but the big reason I I put them at 7 because I felt they deserved to be ahead of Dallas because they they dominated against Dallas, beat them like 5-1 I think it was. I think that was the score. So yeah, I'm putting Colorado ahead of Dallas. Colorado's going to go in in our number seven spot. 
At number six, we have the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina Hurricanes, 7-2-1 in their last 10 games. Carolina Hurricanes, definitely a contender out in the East for sure. We'll have to see. We'll have to see if they maybe make a move at the deadline. But yeah, the Carolina Hurricanes are going to go in our number six spot. At number five, we have the Boston Bruins. Boston Bruins, they are, they're, uh, they're three, two, and five in their last ten games, but they've been a pretty good team most of the season. So I'm gonna keep them up there in the top five. But yeah, a uh, lot of games going to overtime between them. So yeah, three, two, and five there. But so five overtime losses. But yeah, Boston is gonna go in our number five spot. Just it is pretty impressive what they're what Boston is doing. I didn't think we were gonna see him up here, but Boston always finds a way to be good. It feels like you know I can't really think of a time in my lifetime where they've been bad. You know, like they've been ever since I was you know watching. They've always been a good team. Always been a playoff team. Yeah, Boston is going to go in our number five spot. At number four, we have our number one team two weeks ago, the Vancouver Canucks. They've been, yeah, they're four, four, and two in their last 10 games. Bit of a tougher stretch for them uh, last two weeks. But yeah, I'm going to put Vancouver in the number four spot. Vancouver, I mean, again, it's like, who would have thought they would be here? Who would have thought? But, yeah, Vancouver is definitely a major contender out in the West, for sure. We'll have to see how what kind of run they make in the postseason. As, you know, as a BC guy, I'm excited to see what the spring holds for, for uh, British Columbia hockey fans. I'm pers- personally excited for... The city of Vancouver, the province, you know, I, I, I'm excited because it'll be, I think it should be one of their better runs, you know, that's at least my, my expectations that they're going to go on a, a deep run and, you know, really, really make a run for it. Probably their best run since 2011, most likely. So yeah, it, it should be, should be a fun, fun spring in uh in bc but yeah vancouver is gonna go in our number four spot and by the way i should mention too i heard uh there might be an elias Pettersson contract extension coming pretty soon look out for that look out for that i heard probably somewhere just over 11.5 million for anywhere between five to eight years that is what i am hearing what we'll see what happens we'll see what happens in the uh in the coming weeks here but that's that's what i've been hearing uh at number three we have the winnipeg jets the winnipeg jets are going to go in our number three spot seven and three in their last 10 games um yeah winnipeg you know winnipeg's another team didn't expect to see here at this time thought they were going to be more of a seller but this year it feels like there's quite a few teams who are pretty surprising to see near the top but here we are teams like vancouver and winnipeg and uh there's 
team at number one, I'm a little surprised, is where they are, are right now at this point in the season. At number two, we have the New York Rangers. Nine and one in their last ten games. Uh, they are going to be in our number two spot. This was a team I thought... I thought was going to be more on like the decline. I thought, you know, they went for they went for it last year. It didn't work out. And then here's where things are going to start to decline. But no. I mean, they're right they're right up there. They got a really good shot out in the east. The east looks to be a pretty tough tough battle out in the east. But yeah, New York's definitely New York is definitely up there. And at number one, we have a team that, yeah, I did not expect to be here. But at number one, we have the Florida Panthers. Nine and one in their last ten games. Uh, they're sitting atop the league standings. Uh, yeah, the Florida Panthers. I thought their run last year was a bit of a fluke. Clearly, they're proving it's not. It's not a fluke at all. Um, they've had a very, very good season. They've really built off that run to the Stanley Cup Finals. And they've taken care of business up until this point in the season. So the Florida Panthers are going to sit in our number one spot as we uh, head into the final, yeah, the final uh, episode, final, final rankings before the trade deadline. The trade that so that'll be, yeah. The trade deadline is coming up next Friday, so hopefully, um, yeah. Well, I'm sure next episode you gotta tune in the next episode because we are gonna have lots and lots of trade news to talk about. That is gonna be all going down next Friday. So, yeah, I think I'll I'll get it out. I believe next next Friday I'll. Yeah, I'll get it out next Friday, right after the trade deadline. Here are all my thoughts uh, about the trades that happen over the course of the day. I'll definitely be having uh, Trade Center uh, on and watching that and, you know, keep keeping a tab open on all the trades that are taking place during the day. But yeah, so let's recap the 10. At number 10, we have the Nashville Predators. At number 9, we have the Toronto Maple Leafs. At number 8, we have the Dallas Stars. At number 7, we have the Colorado Avalanche. At number 6, we have the Carolina Hurricanes. At number 5, we have the Boston Bruins. At number 4, we have the Vancouver Canucks. At number 3, we have the Winnipeg Jets. At number 2, we have the New York Rangers. And in our number one spot, we have the Florida Panthers. And that'll do it for La 10. And that'll do it for this episode of the Puck House Podcast. If you want to get updates on the podcast as well as get some bonus content, you can follow the Puck House over on Instagram, Twitter, X, YouTube, and TikTok. And next week, what, next time we talk, uh, the trade deadline will have past so get ready next episode whole bunch of trade talk coming next week and until next time goodbye